What up, though, y'all? It's your boy, Tay, and you are now listening to another episode of my podcast, Family Forward. I got a lot of things to talk to y'all about today, man. It's been a lot of things going on around the culture, but also around the world. And I've been an observer to it all, just like many of you have, watching on the news, following it on social media. So we're going to get right into it. But I would like to start off this podcast by saying, first and foremost, rest in peace to Takeoff and rest in peace to PNB Rock. These were two beloved figures in the hip-hop community that were recently gunned down. And I can honestly say these situations are extremely disheartening. I'll start with PNB Rock. He was a fellow Philly native who I had the opportunity to see on the come up. So R&B one days, R&B two, R&B three. I was definitely a fan. I was one of the kids you could find in my crib or outside singing to the top of my lungs. <laughs> I remember when Rock first came out, he had a cookout. I think it was a welcome home cookout in Uptown. And I was able to see him. This was before he was even famous. And he was a regular dude. He had on regular clothes just like me. To be honest, his clothes might have been a little bit worse than what I had when I had the time, but I believe he was just getting out of jail. But his buzz in the city was just so overwhelming at the time because of some of the songs that he had out. And Rock was huge. He was huge for Philly because he was like one of the first notable artists to pop off since Meek. We don't got that many big celebrities or big icons in the city. So for the youth generation, we definitely was hyped. You know what I'm saying to get a new face rocking with a city that had a whole different style than what we're accustomed to in the music scene in Philly. So, you know, I'm just sending his family light, love, and positive energy during this time. And I hope that they can find peace. And then to the Atlanta legend, Takeoff. It's honestly crazy because they just dropped this new project. And they also were recently interviewed on Drink Champs with Nori. And I had just watched the whole interview. It was like two hours long. And in one scene of it, Takeoff was cited for saying, that he would like to get his flowers while he's alive and he could smell them. And then for him to be gunned down only a week later, it's like, it's tragic, man. It was also very spooky. And I'm going to be mindful in saying this because uh, you don't want to offend anybody, but I just want to just encourage people to know that your words have power and the energy that you put out, it will definitely find its way to circulate back to you. I'm a big believer in karma, and I'm not saying that that's what happened in the case of PNB Rock or Takeoff, but I would just say for the rap community in general, like some of the messages that we're putting out and we're seeing these days aren't the most positive ones. So I would just say, just be mindful, man, that your words have power and you could literally speak over your life the type of experience that you would like to have or see. So. Man, I really challenge all rappers, and I'm honestly conflicted about that, right? Because many would argue that people are just rapping the things that they see in their community. But my thing is always, I would think, once you've been able to excel and reach a certain point, do rappers ever take the time to reflect on their experiences and be like, you know, I want to have a new message or, you know, some type of new agenda that I would like to disseminate, but... A lot of times it's hard because us as fans and consumers, a lot of times we can like typecast people to only fit into one bucket or one room. And whenever they try to identify themselves outside of that, sometimes people will not identify with their music or their artistry. So a lot of times these artists are in tough positions, man, because of us as consumers. On top of that, I would just say it's been said that being a rapper is probably the most dangerous job in the world right now. And I don't believe I could argue that point because since I've been a kid, it's probably the most rappers that I've seen lose their lives, but also die at the hand of gun violence. Like, I don't understand what's going on right now. And honestly, I just wish that it stops because not only are these people signs of hope for their individual families and their communities, but they also employ a lot of people. So when you knock off one person, it doesn't just affect them and their family. It affects the livelihood of so many others uh, that are affiliated with this one thing. So, you know, people just got to be mindful of, like, taking food off of other people's plate over literally nothing. Like, I really can't think. I can't think of a reason that would be valid enough to take another person's life. I just really can't. I also acknowledge that. A lot of rappers come from the communities that we come from where you're experiencing a lot of hate, you're experiencing a lot of trauma. And I feel like that's being shared in the music. Like if you listen to 
a lot of the subject matter and the content of today's rap music. You hear a lot of quotes about death. You hear a lot of things about depression and anxiety, PTSD. You hear reoccurring themes of sadness, loneliness, distrust, and honestly, just pain. And some of these artists are so talented that they are able to commodify this and make it music that we want to bop our heads to and just enjoy on a day-to-day. But if you actually take the time to sit back and really peel back the layers and look at the lyrics, but also look at some of the actions that you'll see from these people in the media, a lot of people are really hurting, man. And one thing that's tough, and I've been having a lot of conversations about this lately, is I feel like black people, we don't have a unified culture that we could stand upon. And because rap and hip hop has been such a huge vehicle that was created by our community, a lot of times we conflate our experience and our culture with the hip hop community. And if we're spreading messages of hate, distrust, pain, and agony, what do you think will be reflected in our community? What do you think people of other cultures will think about us, right? So I forget where I was going with that, but basically I was just saying the subject matter has changed. Um, I miss when I was younger, it was a lot of different artists and people were versatile. They wasn't really rapping about the same thing over and over. Of course, there was a lane for that, but we had Nelly's, we had Ja Rule's, we also had 50 Cent's, we had Kanye's. All of those are different types of artists. And I feel like now what's being plastered in our faces repetitively is this new drill wave and this new drill era. Many people would say that that developed out of the Chicago rap scene with rappers like Chief Keef, Lil Reese, Dirk, Herbo, and so many more. And I won't put that on their backs. I've heard people say drill music is the reason for a lot of the violence that we see today. And it probably does have a huge impact, but I would just say we just need widespread change, man. Like black people, we gotta start asking ourselves the harder questions. And I think that leads right into a lot of what I'm gonna talk to y'all about today. So if you've been following the news lately, I'm sure you've seen what's going on with Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets, but also our beloved Kanye. And I wanna preface this conversation by saying that I typically try to stray away from discussing controversial subjects and people in public forums like a podcast, but I've been having so many conversations with friends, family members, and even coworkers. And I, I just thought, why not share this message with the world? Like, eventually I'm gonna have to step outside and share some of my views on controversial subjects. And not everybody's gonna like it, and not everybody's always gonna agree. But as long as I know that I'm speaking from a place of love, uh, authenticity, and what I believe in, I feel like that's all I could do. So. I hope y'all understand that and just try to be like open-minded and empathetic throughout this whole podcast. I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't know how short. I really just wanted to touch on these events and share my thoughts on them. So starting with Kyrie Irving, many of you may know, as I said earlier, he plays for the Brooklyn Nets and recently he found himself in some trouble and Kyrie Irving is no stranger to trouble or no stranger to being in the media for some of what people would call antics off the court. On the court, Kyrie is a spectacle of an athlete. Like He truly is a generational talent. He's one of my favorite players to watch and also just one of my favorite players ever for what he could do with the ball. If you got a moment after this video, go on YouTube, type in Kyrie Irving highlights and I could assure you like within the first one to two minutes, you're going to be dazzled at some of the things that he could do with the basketball. He really is a magician. Now, off the court, some people have labeled Kyrie as somewhat of a distraction because of his beliefs and he's not going along with what Kwame Brown would call the go along, get along game. (laughs) But from what I've seen, Kyrie is a person that flows to the tune of his own trumpet, right? So he's the person that you'll see spraying sage in the arena before a game. I've never seen an athlete do that in my time. Uh, He also was cited for saying that the world is flat a few years ago. He caught a lot of flack for that. And I'm not here to confirm or deny any of these beliefs. I'm really just taking the opportunity to paint a picture of this brother so y'all can get an understanding that he is a nuanced human being just like the rest of us. And more recently, 
I would say a couple years ago when COVID was rampant, still going on, Kyrie Irving refused to get the vaccine. So therefore he couldn't play games in the NBA unless he wanted to get that. And for his own personal, religious and health reasons, he decided not to get the vaccine. And I believe that was a choice that is only his to own. And because of that, he was reprimanded. His name was dragged through the media. People called him a distraction and so many other things. So the most recent event that unfolded on social media was Kyrie Irving posted a link from a documentary on Amazon called From Hebrews to Negroes. And I don't know much about the documentary to directly comment on the context of it, but from what I've seen in the media, it apparently had some racist, anti-Semitic tropes in the film, but it also was debunked by fact checkers. Like I said, I haven't watched the documentary. I don't even know if I plan to. That's not really my cup of tea, but we're going to talk about it anyway. So Kyrie posted the link to this film on his story on Instagram. He posted it with no context provided. He honestly just posted a picture of this documentary. So I believe it caught the attention of the Nets owner who right now um, forgetting his name, I believe it's Joe Sy. Don't quote me on that. But the first thing I saw personally was I was scrolling on Twitter and I saw that the owner of the Nets released a statement condemning Kyrie for posting this link. And then shortly after that, I saw that Kyrie was suspended and the news just kept cycling, right? More and more things were happening. Most recently, Kyrie was suspended from the team. And then he also was suspended indefinitely from Nike, which is his endorsement deal. So as you can see, posting this documentary, it definitely stirred up a lot of controversy. And I saw that the Brooklyn Nets, they don't plan to fire Kyrie completely. They gave him a set of terms, which I feel like is a bit unreasonable. And I also never saw anything like this happen before. I don't believe he should have to fulfill these terms, but it was six things that he had to do that included making donations to charities, but also sitting down with religious leaders and I don't know if this was directly linked to the terms that the Brooklyn Nets gave him, but he also was requested to sit down with the commissioner of the NBA, whose name I'm also forget right now, uh, Adam Silver. But yeah, Adam Silver said that he wanted to sit down with Kyrie Irving. So I've never seen anything like this in my 26 years on earth. And as I've been witnessing this whole thing, I honestly was surprised at how little NBA athletes took to their platforms to stand up on behalf of Kyrie. Kyrie is somebody that has been labeled as a locker room cancer. They throw that label around in the sports world to guys that typically don't follow the rules or, you know, tend to stir up controversy and get in trouble. I don't know Kyrie to be that type of person, but I believe a lot of this started when he played alongside LeBron James on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, it's been cited in the media that the relationship between those two are rocky. I don't know how true that is, but... I honestly was surprised to see LeBron's stance when asked about this situation in the media. It looked like Brian was like, I'm staying far away from this drama. I don't want nothing to do with this. You ain't messing up no, no deals or no money that I got on the table. So I don't know. I don't even want to talk about this. But in reality, I felt like Brian could have did a little bit more to stand up for Kyrie and paint a picture of his character, especially with him playing alongside him and you know, once being like a big brother and a mentor figure to Kyrie in the NBA, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like initially as a witness to this, it was so hurtful watching Brian take the approach that he did because Brian is one of the uh, spokespeople for our community. Unfortunately, a lot of times in the black community, athletes and entertainers often find themselves in this dual position of being who they are in their respective fields, but also being, like I said, these spokespeople and activists for our community because a lot of times we're not afforded, you know, positions of power to get into some of those leadership positions in society. So a lot of times because of their platform that was afforded from their unbelievable talents in their respective fields, these are the people that we rely upon to be the voices for people like you and myself on the grounds. And it was disheartening because Brian is known for his charity. Like he's one of the people that I idolize on and off the court for some of his work, man. Like how Brian has conducted himself over this 20 plus year span on and off the court is just unbelievable. Like 
Ron hasn't gotten any serious trouble off the court. Not that I know of to my knowledge. He's a role model for everybody. He's with his high school sweetheart. Uh, he's a great father to his children and overall just a great black man. So he's been doing a lot of great things. He has the I Promise School in uh, his hometown of Akron, Ohio, I believe. And outside of that, man, like you could just Google it if you don't know anything about LeBron James and you can find out all of the cool things that he's doing off the court. But for LeBron to be as big as he is, I felt like he really dropped the ball. And it's kind of ironic because let's take it back to 2020 when his team was pushing all of the things that they were pushing, you know, in effort to mitigate some of the tensions around voter suppression in our community. Right. That was around the same time where Shut Up and Dribble was birthed and seeing notable figures like LeBron James, but also Kevin Durant, their stances in the media, it was almost contradictory of everything that he was fighting for. Like, I feel like Kevin Durant's stance in the media embodies the worst of that statement. That is shut up and dribble because when I asked about it, Kevin Durant, who is Kyrie Irving's current teammate on the Brooklyn Nets, he said, you know, I ain't like the whole situation. Like, I wish we could just stick to basketball. And I feel like any time there's any type of controversy off the court, Kevin Durant always says, man, I wish we could have just, you know, focused on basketball, focused on the game. I don't know if it's because he's not as intelligent to articulate his thoughts on these situations or he just want to stay away from the drama. You know, some people really not with like the extra stuff. So I get that 100%, but I know that he's thought about these things. He's been a a witness to it. He's directly in the locker room. He's a friend with Kyrie. I know you have to have some type of thoughts on this situation. And I know a lot of these guys didn't ask to be in a position of being a leader, uh, being a spokesperson for our community. But unfortunately, because of where they are in society, you guys are in those positions to do those things. So when you say, man, I wish we just could have focused on basketball and, you know, Kyrie is his own person. He could do whatever he wants. And I'm just quoting word, uh, verbatim. That's not exactly what he said, but it's frustrating because that is why people said, you know, athletes should just shut up and stay out of political matters because when asked questions like this, you know, we drop the ball. We can't even articulate our thoughts or stand up for our brother. So it was very disheartening to see those two figures, but also a lot of guys around the media that I had a lot of respect for, most notably Shannon Sharp. Like, Seeing how Shannon has been talking about this situation, Stephen A. Smith, he up in the air. You don't never know what you're going to get from him. But Shannon, I really thought he was, he was really like one of us. And to see how he was straight up like just tap dancing around the questions and tap dancing around these issues, it was honestly like embarrassing. And as somebody that on the grounds and like I spent a lot of time in my community, I feel like with the little bit that I have, a lot of times I be standing up for things that are way bigger than myself that I don't have no business standing up for. And that's just the type of person that I am. It's really disheartening to see people with that stature where you pay, I don't know their situation, but you're doing so much better than myself. And a lot of them just look afraid to just speak up and say the things that need to be said to defend their brother. So I'm not saying that Kyrie was completely right. I'm not saying that Kyrie was completely wrong, but the way that I was raised and the way that I've come to learn to go about things in an effective way, I feel like they could have defended Kyrie Irving's honor in public. And because he's one of ours, when we go back to wherever we go, when we go back home or we hop on that phone and we having a personal conversation, that could have been a moment where they educated Kyrie and they told him like, yo, you definitely could have went about this situation in a different way because of your platform that therefore that comes with a responsibility. So if you're going to post something like this, you have to give people an explanation. You might not think that you owe people that, and maybe you don't, but you know, to save yourself from a lot of what we're seeing take place, next time you might just want to leave some type of explanation or educate people as to what's going on in your mind that you will post a link to a documentary that has been labeled as anti-Semitic or racist. Now, how I feel about that, I feel like Kyrie may have been observing some of the things that he's seen from Kanye in the media over the past, I don't know how long, but I'm gonna just focus on the past month or so. And I feel like maybe that sparked that. Or what I genuinely believe is Kyrie Irving has always been on this journey of self-discovery, right? So 
going back to earlier in the conversation I mentioned that he was walking around the entire arena before anybody got there, spraying sage, which is a known spiritual practice to regulate the energies in whatever environment that you're in, right? It's like supposed to be like a spiritual cleansing process, right? He didn't believe in a vaccine, so he chose not to get it for his own personal reasons. He spent a lot of time out in the community advocating for people, donating his time, donating his money, giving food to charitable organizations, making sure that people were fed, right? Kyrie has done all of these things. So what I think what's happening and is happening in Kyrie Irving's life is he's doing what many of us are doing. He's asking himself those harder questions about who he is and where he comes from. And along that research, he probably discovered that documentary. And people in the media were saying that he was promoting this. I'm not sure if he was promoting it per se. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But I would say maybe encouraging people to take a look at themselves in the same way. And maybe this documentary or other tools will be a part of that process, right? I'll speak for myself. When I was growing up, and I tell this story very often, I didn't identify with my heritage. I grew up in a household with my grandmother who immigrated here from West Africa, specifically Monrovia, Liberia. So she immigrated to Philadelphia. She raised us here. She fought hard to create a life for us by cleaning people's houses, taking care of people, cleaning their homes. And, you know, that's how she built herself up here in this country. And a lot of times, you know, it wasn't cool when I was growing up to be African, you know what I'm saying? Like people got bullied, you know, they called us African booty scratchers. They told us all of these things. And there is no Afrocentric curriculum where you can learn about your identity. A lot of immigrant parents, I'll speak from my experience, they don't talk to you about, you know, some of the things that they went through and, you know, some of the atrocities that they may have seen that led them to this country. I know my grandmother left during the war back home and she came here by herself with Christian missionaries. And I say all of that to say, when I would go outside in public, it was like I lived a double life than what I lived at home because I was embarrassed at where I came from. But as I got older and I started to build more community around my heritage and I learned my grandmother's story, that was a big component of this. Now, anybody could tell you I rep my roots so proudly because I feel connected to something that's bigger than myself. Um, I was just having a conversation with one of my coworkers at work and he said something that I honestly related to. He said a lot of black people thought that our history started with slavery. And when he said that, I was like, bro, for a lot of years of my life, I honestly thought that slavery was the start of humanity for black people because that's a lot of what gets taught in schools these days. You know what I'm saying? So, and I'm saying like elementary, middle school age, shoot, I ain't gonna lie, maybe even the high school because I ain't going to say I went to the best schools, but I held this belief. And I don't know how much pride I took in my education, but also my heritage. So I was definitely misinformed. And he also said something that was super deep. But my coworker was like, you know, he's been labeled as like a, a tense guy, right? Or like a, a serious guy. And he may have some hints of PTSD from the things that he's seen, uh, the things that he's experienced, but also how we're being trained to act, the things that we're eating, the way that we're being trained to speak, um, just all of these different things here in America, right? It's, in a, it's a uniform way that we're expected to conduct ourselves. And that's what we're seeing in situations like with Kyrie and Kanye. And if you act outside of that, you get reprimanded or chastised for it. So he was saying that, you know, he was like, I just feel this sense of unease when I go out into the community. And he was like, you know, I might have some PTSD, might not, but he was, I just feel this sense of like, just unsafety, like I don't belong here. And I was like, damn, bro, like, I was like, it's crazy. I was like, what you're describing is almost like what they do when rich people take these, what they would call exotic animals. So you'll often see these lions, uh, tigers, jaguars, and these super exotic animals that belong in a zoo or in their natural habitat, and they'll be living in somebody's home and they'll be chained and uh, getting these big pieces of meat. And in theory, you would think, you know, because they're living with somebody wealthy or rich and they're able to get this, you know, privileged, privileged lifestyle, um, you know, that they should be okay. But you and I both know uh, if you take somebody out of their natural habitat, and you're trying to raise them amongst people that 
don't look like them, don't didn't grow up like them, don't have the same DNA. Uh, that will do something to you as a person. It will change you. And that's what I said to him. I was like, man, it's like the same thing they do when they try to domesticate those exotic animals. I was like, you probably feel that way because this is not where you belong. Like, you're not amongst your people. You're not amongst your tribe. And a lot of times that is how it feels to be black in America. So I think when Kyrie posted the link to that documentary, he probably had similar thoughts like, who am I? You know, where did my people come from? Because if you are a little bit informed, you would know that a lot of our history is untraceable. Like for black people, it's a lot of things that we don't know. We've been misinformed. Um, our culture was taken from us. Uh, we was given names of, I mean, if y'all want me to get deep, I ain't going to say it, but I feel like y'all know what I was about to say. Like my last name is, it's like, I'm going to let y'all put two and two together. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, our culture was stolen from us and a lot of us have been misinformed and because of the education here in America, a lot of us don't take the time to arm ourselves with the information. You know what I mean? Arming ourselves with the information, basically what I mean is you might go to a certain school or you might be raised within a certain family background, but that don't mean that you can't take the steps to educate yourself and be a learner. So if you care enough about, you know, some of these things, you know, go and buy a book or go on Google or go on YouTube and do some research to learn more about your history and learn more about your heritage. And I would genuinely like to think that is what Kyrie was saying, you know, by posting this link, you know, not necessarily like this is your heritage or this is your story, but maybe this should be a call to action for you to open up your eyes and start to question your family, question your community and question who you are. And uh, that's what I would like to think in the best case scenario. I saw Kyrie roll out his apology statements and I really applaud him for standing his ground. I'm not anti-Semitic, I'm not racist in any form. When I say that I applaud him for standing his ground, I mean that a lot of times in this country, you get like bullied into behaving a certain way and it's flat out racism. Like you see what's going on with Kyrie, the fact that he was suspended, the fact that he lost his deal from Nike, the fact that he could possibly have to retire as a result of this because they're trying to make him do things and say things in a certain way in order to get his job back. That is dehumanizing. That's what he meant when he was in the media in the interview. He told the report, he said, don't dehumanize me up here. Don't dehumanize me because you're trying to make me do things as your way. It's like you're trying to like like train me to be a certain way. So I applaud him for having the courage and the strength to stand his ground. I don't think Kyrie was disrespectful at, in any um, step of that. Maybe he could have did certain things differently, but one thing that I thought was dope was when he said, how can I be anti-Semitic when I know where I come from? And this is something that I'm not super well versed in, but through the conversation I was having with one of my colleagues who happened to identify in the past with you know, the five percenters, and he was talking to me a lot about Afro-Asiatic cultures, and it was deep, but if you are one of those people that goes down the wormhole of thinking in that room, you would probably understand what Kyrie was saying a little deeper, but for me, knowing a little bit that I know from the conversations, I get exactly what he was saying. Hopefully that inspires y'all to maybe go do your research on something uh, Kyrie was referring to, but like I said, I ain't gonna speak on nothing that I don't know completely, but that's what I got from the conversations that I've had with coworkers, uh, friends, and other colleagues or whatever. But overall, in relation to Kyrie, I stand with Kyrie. I like that he stood his ground. As a black man, I feel like that was a strong demonstration of you know, courage and strength. And I hope more people can learn to stand up for what they believe in in a similar manner. It's a shame, man, how scared a lot of these people are to lose their jobs, to lose the money, lose their fame, notoriety. And at this present moment, the only player that I saw stand up for Kyrie was Jalen Brown, who is funny because he's also linked to Kanye West and his situation. So that's really all I got to say about Kyrie. But going into Kanye, man, like, yeah, he been on one. I ain't going to lie. He's been doing a lot of crazy stuff in the media. A lot of people were frustrated by the White Lives Matter t-shirt. To this day, I honestly don't know what that t-shirt meant. It's honestly kind of crazy because that's kind of similar to what Kyrie did, but just in a different way because there's it's no context for it, right? It's no explanation. So of course people are going to be outraged, but I think the thing that really got people going was what he posted on Instagram or Twitter, I believe, where he posted the picture and he said, I'm kind of sleepy. I'm going to go 
on Jewish people or something like that. Now, that is nuts to say something like that. Like, in this day and age of climate, you especially can't talk like that. So I feel like it was completely irresponsible. And I can understand why a lot of people was hurt by those comments, right? We then went to, you know, the Drink Champs interview. And he said a lot of hurtful things. You know, one of those comments included what he said about George Floyd. And that was another thing that was just completely just tasteless, completely irresponsible, and completely insensitive. Since then, he's tried to clear it up. And I understood what he was going for. And I'm not judging him on behalf of that. I just disagree with what he was saying. Uh, I haven't seen the Candace Owens documentary that they made about the Black Lives Matter movement uh, that Ye was trying to use to justify his claims in relation to George Floyd. I just think it was just flat out just irresponsible and it was hurtful. And I saw another clip recently, so I know that he's since learned from that. I hope he has uh, just to be like more mindful with his words. But I've been watching a lot of Ye interviews, y'all. I watched the Drink Champs interview, which was three hours long. I watched the Pierce Morgan interview, which was an hour and a half long. And I also watched half of the interview he did with Lex Fryman. And it's kind of crazy because Brian is involved in this as well. Uh, Brian and his team didn't air the episode that Kanye did with the shop because they said that it had a lot of anti-Semitic remarks. Uh, Ye has been on some Twitter tirades and overall, he just been doing a lot. He suffered for it. So since then, he's lost dozens of partnerships with corporations and brands like Adidas, Balenciaga, Gap, Foot Locker, and so many more. And as I've watched this whole thing play out in the media, right, it sparked some things in my mind and a lot of them that I already touched on with Kyrie. But first and foremost, it's the idea that black people can be racist. And I was fortunate enough to take some classes related to critical race theory during my master's program. And one of my professors said something that was so dope. She said, black people cannot be racist because racism is rooted in oppression. And when you think about society as a whole, where do you see black people that are in positions of power? Where do you see black people that are in positions of owners? It's not really many. Like there is no widespread uh, community, uh, culture, corporation where black people are widespread leaders and we're unified and we're together and we have power to uh, you know, take things away from people like what we're seeing in the media. So when you talk about black people being racist, I think that we could say things that are hurtful in cases like Kanye did, but we don't have the power to truly oppress anybody because we don't own anything in this country. And of course, it's individual black people that we all can name, but you saw it with Ye. I saw a lawyer on YouTube talking about Kanye's deal with Adidas, and I saw somewhere in there that it was a clause where they're going to continue to use his designs and continue to sell his sneakers. So obviously, he wasn't that much of an owner as we thought to where they could just cut him out of the deal and just continue to use his products and continue to sell and market his IP. And if you don't know what IP is, that's intellectual property. But that just goes to show you how when we say things or we do things that are out of line with what the masses or what these owners and people are in positions of power, when we don't do what they want us to do. They could take everything away from us. They have the power to oppress us. They have the power to silence us and black people can't do that so when you talk about black people being racist I always just kind of like laugh it off because it's almost nearly impossible for us to be racist you know what I'm saying I feel like we live in a day and age that is extremely sensitive and I'm one of the people that are sensitive a lot of times I get called politically correct amongst my friends because I try to be the voice of reason a lot of times. I try to be empathetic. I try to make people think about things in a way that they may not have thought about them. I try to defend people I care about or people that I feel like are in need of help. I'm that person for my community. So a lot of times I find myself in trouble or in taxing situations, but I feel like that's just who I am. So I'm gonna continue to be like that. But black people have often been the oppressed and not the oppressor because we're not the owners, because we're not in control of a lot of the, the things that, you know, run society, how could we ever oppress anybody? When you hear terms or phrases like systemic racism, those are the vehicles that often tend to disproportionately affect black and Latino people. You see it in our school systems with the school to prison pipeline. You see it in the prison system with 
mass incarceration. You see it in our communities and the degradation of communities that fall within the lines of a certain zip code due to redlining and other unfair lending practices, the education gap, the wealth gap amongst our people. So when you hear these terms like systemic racism, it's like black people don't have the power to oppress people. But what we do have the power to do is utilize our platforms given by our God-given talents to mobilize and share ideas and to stand up for what we believe in and stand up for one another. And at the core of all of Ye's mistakes, that's what I would like to believe that he was doing. One thing that I'm grateful for is that I'm a person that takes the time to listen to people, but I also know how to be impartial. So I could look at something and be like, I see the good in this, but I also see the bad. And I feel like a lot of times, because people don't take the time to understand things, but also educate themselves, they'll run with clips that they hear or take in the perspectives of other people and they'll run with it. And then it's like, you know, forget that person, F them, they said this or they did that. And it's like, since I've been an adult, I've really just been trying to do a better job of just listening to all points of view, listening to all perspectives, educating myself to where I can come to the table and make informed decisions but also just not being so judgmental and being able to like reason and deduct things from situations. And that's what I've done with Kanye. Do I think everything that he said was right? No, if he could go back, I'm sure he would do a lot of things differently. But where I stand with Kanye is him trying to draw attention to what's been going on in our culture for a long time, right? To tie this all together, Kyrie is an athlete. Kanye is an entertainer. In the interview, Kanye was saying, I want to pull together the top execs across all of these different industries of Hollywood and the sports world and the media, entertainment. And he was like, I want to look at the deals. I want to look at the financial breakdown between me and my contemporaries. That's what Kanye was saying. And it's been publicly recounted dozens of times how black people have been marginalized and exploited in all of these industries. And it's funny that we happen to make up a great percentage of all of these industries as the players and as the stakeholders. But once again, we're not in positions of power to control anything, to make sure that there's equity in all of the deals that we seeing. I'm sure if you listen to music, you hear things about 360 deals. In certain sports, if you look at the comparison between black athletes and their white counterparts, you'll see the disparity you see it in Hollywood, black actors and white actors. I'm sure if you look across every industry, you will notice the gaps in pay. Um, it happens between men and women a lot, if y'all relate to that better. But that is what Kanye was calling to action. He was calling to action for the exploitation of our kids. Earlier in this, I said, you know, our words have power. And when you look at what's going on right now with the rap industry, just like a lot of other industries, they're getting younger and younger, right? Like, Kids are developing at such a quicker rate. So where athletes are developing faster than ever, rappers are getting access to mics and platforms younger than ever because you could record a hit from your house and the ways that you could disseminate it to the world are endless, right? So because a lot of these kids are getting opportunities earlier and quicker than ever, it's being reflected in a lot of the things that we're hearing in these songs and within the culture today. So, so if you listen to a lot of rap today. You're gonna hear a lot of drill music. It's popular in the Bronx right now, it's popular in Chicago, it's popular in my hometown in Philly. It's popular everywhere in the United States and they just talking about killing people repeatedly. Death, violence, kill, I got this gun, I killed this person. Like, I can't even listen to a lot of the music these days because of how filled with death and violence that it is. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a goody two-shoes. There's a certain artist that I listen to that promote these certain messages. Yes, and a lot of it has been normalized because of where we come from. And also, going back to what I said earlier about hip-hop being conflated with black culture. So it's like I'm reaching for something. I'm trying to change and become something new. And I'm still holding on to a lot of the ideas that I was raised upon, which a lot of people are. But like I said, a lot of these kids are being you know, taken from their neighborhoods after creating these hits. They glorify gang culture, they glorify killing, and they're being placed in front of the world to be these spokespeople on behalf of our community. And rap music happens to be a reflection of black culture. So I think that's what Kanye was shedding light on. Y'all taking these kids and y'all putting them before the world, giving them thousands of dollars, exploiting them in these deals, and they're perpetrating these messages of 
violence and harm to future generations. And that's being reflected mainstream as black culture. That's what Kanye was trying to bring attention to. He was trying to bring attention to the mistreatment and the harm that's been done to black people in and outside of the music industry. And I know that he focused specifically on Jews and a lot of people may have found that hurtful. And Kanye has since clarified that in his experience, there has been Jewish people at the helm of a lot of the deals that he's had and been a part of. If I'm not mistaken, the commissioner of the NBA, who just said that he wanted to speak with Kyrie, happens to be a Jewish man. I believe that the head of Balenciaga, or one of the heads of Balenciaga, happens to be a Jewish man. I believe some of the heads at Adidas happen to be Jewish people. Okay, so this right here is a chart of uh, Universal Studios, 20th, 20th Century Fox, ABC News, CBS, CBS News, Columbia Pictures, mm -hmm. uh, Warner Brothers, ESPN Sports, Fox News, Washington Post, Metro Goldwyn Meyer, MTV Music Television, Nickelodeon, USA Today, Wall Street Journal, Comedy Central, NBC Entertainment, um, uh, Google, uh, what else do we have? Disney, ABC Kids and Family, YouTube, Los Angeles Times, Discovery Network, Paramount Pictures, Facebook, Huffington Post, Yahoo, Marvel, Hulu, Cosmopolitan, Time, um, Touchstone, Associated Press, uh, Pixar, Miramax, HBO, New York Post, LucasArts, MSNBC, uh, DreamWorks Animation. Now, the thing is, I skipped over maybe about five of them because it was just unclear on this list. The red are the executives that are Jewish at these companies. I don't believe that it's fair to target or steer hate to a specific people because of your direct experiences with them. But I do think it's fair to draw attention to harm and maltreatment. And I feel like Kanye is raising a point of a good conversation that nobody wants to have. So what I noticed in the Pierce Morgan interview, but also in the Lex Freeman interview, and this is why I stopped watching, I feel like both of them had an agenda. The agenda was to make him be reflective of his actions and for him to apologize. And I feel like both Kyrie and Kanye apologized in a way that felt comfortable to them at this given time. It may not have been what the masses would have liked them to do or how they would have liked them to apologize, but I believe they apologized. But I never took, I never saw any of them lean on to our world to acknowledge the harm and maltreatment that's been done to black people. All of them were worried about Kanye apologizing. And maybe if Kanye took a softer approach and, you know, apologized, said what they wanted, maybe they would have, you know, taken the time to hear him out or meet him on a ground level about some of the things that have been done to our people, how we've been raped and exploited. But I doubt it. I feel like they would have got the, the interview or the, the apology that they wanted from this situation and they would have kept it pushing. So I think that's one of the biggest reasons why, although I don't like everything that Kanye said or how he went about this situation, I applaud him for getting the conversation started because it's a much needed conversation that we see happen amongst each other internally, right? So in these interviews, we're seeing more music artists step up more than ever and share. They're talking about their deals publicly and, you know, sometimes it's good. You know, we see in the rise of independent artists or we see more artists talk about how they've been able to negotiate partnerships with the new information, you know, that they've been given you know, to be able to negotiate equity in their deals, right, to get fair treatment. And I feel like that is what Kanye was fighting for, so we can get more black owners. He begged Piers Morgan at one point in the interview, he was like, yo, I just want you to help our people. I forget what interview it is. He was like, you know, I'm just jealous of the way that the Asians or Jews or these other cultures have been able to band together to, you know, keep the dollar circulating within their communities. And a lot of people would be like, well, it's because those communities work together and black people could do the same thing. But there is a gap of information that's missing from that conversation. So going back to what I said about school to prison pipeline, redlining, Jim Crow, all of these things that have happened to black people. Also, we're one of the only cultures in America that haven't gotten reparations. You could look that up. There have been individual instances where individual states have given reparations to people, but we have not been compensated by the government for the wrong that was done to us. A lot of people say blacks built this country. And if you are informed, like I said, you would know that that is very true. America was built on the backs of free labor from black people. So knowing all of those things, 
That is why we haven't been able to band together and catch up in the realm of education or catch up in the realm of finances. A lot of people say that, you know, black people are financially illiterate or we're not the most educated group in the country. And it's because of all of the things that have happened that set us back that nobody is talking about. So do I agree with how Kanye went about those interviews and what he's been doing in the media? No, but he's steering a much needed conversation that needs to happen. He's pushing that forward. So if you could take the time to get past the sound bites and the clips and get on a grassroots level, if you really care about him, you really care about black people, like you say, you would take the time to talk to us about some of the atrocities that have faced our community. If we could take the time to understand the Holocaust and be sympathetic of that, y'all could take the time to understand what has happened to our community. Like, it's straight up, like, America is supposed to be the land of the free. Like, we're supposed to have access to the American dream. America is supposed to be this big melting pot. But honestly, it'd be seeming like everybody just want to, you know, be for themselves and, you know, look out for, you know, their individual people. It's like, we going to get ours, F y'all. Like, everybody's in a competition to fight to the top or secure theirs. And I honestly wish that, we would learn as a, a, a nation to just really have each other's backs and like put an arm around one another and say like, yo, this happened to you. I understand that. Like, I got you. Like, I'm going to fight for you. And we see that in some instances, like with sports, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's one time where we unify or like across music or whatever the case may be. But as a collective society, like we are not unified. A lot of other countries, they laugh at us in America because to be frank, a lot of times it looked like a shit show was going on here. So I feel like for America to live up to its values and for it to be what it's been set out to be, a lot of us, we got to do a better job of listening to each other, understanding each other, being there for one another. And out of all of this, like I said, do I feel like Kanye could have went about the situation differently? I'm going to repeat this. Yes. I feel like he's apologized. Maybe he needs to do another apology. I don't know. Um, he since apologized for his actions in the media. I feel like he did the best that he could do. Maybe it took him losing it all to get this perspective. Some people say this was his plan all along. I'm not sure, but if you take the time to listen to what this man is saying, I don't believe Kanye is just crazy. Like, I don't believe in that to just, you know, uh, call somebody crazy for expressing themselves. In my own life, sometimes I get called crazy for identifying with my emotions and taking the time to, like, verbalize them. And I feel like what Kanye is doing before the world is raw, unfiltered expression. And a part of me marvels at that because a lot of that is missing from society today. Like, I looked up to Tupac. I looked up to Malcolm X. When I watch documentaries or I go back and watch YouTube clips of those guys, those guys were authentically themselves. They didn't care about losing it all. And to the day they died, they spent it fighting uh, for what they believed in. And growing up, we haven't had many figures, especially in the black community, be symbols like that. I've seen Jay-Z. He's one of the people that I definitely know and respect. He's taking a more silent approach to doing that. But, you know, people that have really just like used their voices and their platforms unashamedly to, you know, speak on behalf of our community. I want to come up in advantage of that. So when I see people like Kyrie and I see people like Kanye, they're not getting it off. Right. But I just be like, dang, like, thank you. Like, thank you for trying. Like, they're human beings. Like, if you gave any of us watching it, you watching this video, you give yourself a billion dollars when you 20 years old and you just tell them go live before the world I'm sure you will make dozens of mistakes just trying to like find yourself and just trying to like get things right and I think that's what more people need to realize is that as human beings we're constantly like reinventing ourselves we're constantly finding ourselves we're constantly knowing who we are and I feel like we should just be more patient and understanding to each other as we undergo those processes as individuals in our own lives and in our own community so like I said man I'm grateful that Kanye is initiating the conversation and I encourage you to just do your research to learn about those things like when I learned about redlining I feel like this was like maybe like five years ago one of my OGs you know he gave me some books and in one of the books I was able to learn that concept of how unfair lending practices have stifled black people from being able to secure homes and the homes they did get would be in areas of condensed poverty. Like all the white people would leave those areas and black people would be stuck in these areas of extreme poverty leading to the degradation of their schools and the degradation of their communities as a whole. How do you build wealth that way? How do you 
secure assets that way is nearly impossible. So I just want people to just take the time to educate themselves on any of the things that I brought forth. Like I said, the school to prison pipeline, redlining, Jim Crow, slavery. And if you want a Kyrie tip, you could take it even further than that to just learn about yourself, your heritage and where you come from. But I said all of that to say, you know, I stand with Kyrie. I stand with Kanye and his message and his plight. I don't think they're doing everything right, but they shouldn't have to be. Like, they're human beings, and this is failing forward. Like, that's why I named my podcast the way that it is. Like, we human beings. Like, we're not going to do everything right. We're not always going to please people, but every day that you get up, you get another opportunity to do things right. Every single day that you get up, you get another opportunity to get it right, to get better, to rectify your mistakes after learning from them and try again. And I feel like that's what they're doing before the world. So we got to be patient with one another. Uh, we got to be understanding. And like I said, man, anybody that was hurt by any of these instances, I just want to send love to them and their families. I don't believe that was the intent of Kyrie or Kanye West. I don't believe either of them to be racist. I just feel like it's a raw demonstration of being a human being before the world. And in that, they're making some mistakes. I ain't going to lie, but in it, it's a lot of things that they're doing right, too, and I applaud them for those efforts. So I just hope they keep speaking up on behalf of our community. I hope they keep speaking up for what they believe in. I hope you as a watcher and as a listener continue to speak up for what you believe in and be empowered to use your voice to drive change. Hopefully, if people are able to take the time to get to the core of what Kanye was trying to say, or maybe Kyrie and Kanye both can articulate themselves before the world and you know drive some of these conversations even deeper, but... Um, that would be awesome, but one way or another, something has to change. We got to be more compassionate to one another. We got to be more forgiving, and we got to be more understanding. Don't let this circus of a media drive us against each other with these clickbaits and these uh, hidden agendas. And honestly, a lot of it is just flat out just racism, and it's oppressive. So, like I said, I just wanted to come on here and share my thoughts on this. A couple of my homeboys are supposed to rock out with me. They ain't show. I don't know. I don't know why, but I'm saying I couldn't wait for this no longer. I decided to just go and do it myself. So I hope y'all learned something. I hope there was a positive takeaway. Or if you disagree with any point that I made, feel free to chime into the conversation and share your points of view. I'm all for that. Thanksgiving break is coming up. The holidays are coming up. Uh, I don't know when my next episode is going to be. I plan to go home and I plan to get some content while I'm out there. But I just want to send everybody love going into the holiday season. I know this could be a sad time of year for people. Not everybody's family situation is the same. Not everybody has a place to, you know, go get a warm plate or even get a present or things of that nature. So I just want to send love to y'all and, uh, you know, just stay prayerful, man. Things get better. You know, keep your head up. And I'm just sending love to everybody that supports me. So if you made it through this video, I just want to say, you know, thank you sincerely. Like I said, I'm always open for a conversation, so hit me up on all the socials. Got a PS5. I've been gaming now, you know what I'm saying? Add me, Loco Loso 4. Add me, you know what I'm saying? I get into the 2K, but I say all of that to say, you know, one love. I'm signing out. I hope you enjoyed the video, and I'll see y'all soon.